On today's show, we focus on the warrior spirit. Our guest today is Navy SEAL Tom Shea, who has served 23 years with distinguished valor and has earned the Silver Star, the Bronze Star for Valor, and multiple commendation medals for Valor. This guy embodies a warrior spirit. Stay tuned and uncover what it means to be a warrior and how to develop that warrior spirit. Welcome to the Man of War podcast, where we forge men into warriors and get them battle ready for the game of life. Learn warrior hacks that strengthen your mindset, self-confidence, courage, and personal protection skills. Unlock a life that embodies a warrior spirit for dynamic success in life and in business. If you're joining us for the first time, you're tuning in to the one and only podcast that empowers you to achieve greatness by living the warrior lifestyle. Each show, we interview elite men from around the globe and delve deep into their mindset and daily rituals, uncovering their secrets to success. I'm Rafa Conde, founder and creator of the Man of War Movement. Join me on this life-altering journey where we recharge your mind, body, and spirit. Hey guys, a quick order of business before we start this fantastic show. Our new website is up and running, manofwar.live. Go there and join the brotherhood. Thank you for your support, and let's jump right into it. Hey, Tom, welcome to the show, and I want to start off by saying thank you for your service. Uh, thanks for having me today. Hey, it's an honor to have you on board with us today, and I look forward to having an awesome conversation with you. I like the conversation of war, uh, and uh, I'm interested to see how you uh, flesh it out. <laughs> Tom, go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience and give us a little bit of uh, your background. I'll try to do the short version. Uh, I retired about four years ago from being in the SEAL teams for 23 years. And uh, during my time in the SEAL teams, I my alma mater team was SEAL Team 2 on the East Coast. And I saw quite a bit of combat at that team. And I uh, had some specialty skills of my original skill set was combat medic. And then my secondary was a uh, sniper. And then after spending a lot of time overseas fighting in a bunch of wars, I had a couple kids and my wife and I had decided to take some downtime. So I went out to Coronado where they do BUDS training, which is basic underwater demolition seal the basic SEAL training, and I checked in on September 9th, 2001. So for my whole uh, instructor career, if you will, I was training guys to go to war. And then after that period of time, I picked up Chief, and I went to SEAL Team 7 and did several deployments there and culminated my career as uh, the officer in charge of sniper school. And then I retired in 2014. So that's the, the, the nutshell of my SEAL career. Tom, you're a quiet professional and a humble gentleman. You've won, or should I say, you've been awarded the Silver Star and the Bronze Star. You're a man with tremendous accolades. Yeah, well, I, I don't, uh, those awards are, are given and that's not like you win the uh, Super Bowl and you get a, a, a Super Bowl ring for winning. 
those awards are things that the military gives, you know, sailors or soldiers for the silver star is the not dying award. And, uh, I call it that because I have no idea why we didn't die. And, uh, the bronze star was for a couple missions where we, we rescued some, uh, high level military people and, uh, risked ourselves to get there. And I, I don't think they're my career, but, uh, they're just small awards that you get for, uh, kind of overdoing your job. So that's very admirable of you having that type of warrior mindset. So tell us where you are today. Tell us a little bit about your company and uh, what you do to help others with the uh, vast knowledge and experience that you got from the SEALs. Sure. Well, I, I, right before I retired or graduated, however you want to look at it, uh, during my 2009 deployment to Afghanistan, I was in charge of a 22-man SEAL platoon, and uh, we're in the thick of it. And before going, my wife Stacy knew that it was going to be a little bit more than dangerous. Our odds of coming back unscathed were were slim, and uh, she wanted me to write down what I wanted to pass on to my kids in case I wasn't there anymore. And so it started out as a, a bunch of letters that we were writing back and forth or emails and about what it was like to be there and the lessons that the kids would be able to do without dad's guidance. And uh, so that was a pretty cool idea, except I returned and the, had no intent to write a book. I was very private at the time. And right before retiring in 2014, several years after that deployment, Stacy said, why don't you, why don't we complete the manuscript and just get five books printed out for the immediate family? And when I did that, she put it up on Amazon and it kind of freakishly went well. And, but the book is titled Unbreakable and Navy Seals Way of Life. As 13 extremely valuable lessons that now everybody wants to learn them, but there's 13 lessons. And when applied, really kind of rapidly uh, accelerate what I call human performance. And I developed a business out of teaching people directly how to learn those lessons and then seven other lessons that I've put into the kind of the corporate world. And since then, I've trained 50 individuals on, you know, how to kind of master themselves. And the, the company is called Adamantine Alliance. And now there's two of us SEALs where we go around the country, either lecturing or teaching directly, uh, high, high, high achieving individuals. So how did that com company come about? I mean, was it something that, uh, you guys just thought up overnight or was something that you kind of started thinking about that a few years ago? It came out of the, the book going public. And now that I'm really deep into it, I can admit where it came from. Uh, so the book goes public. A bunch of CEOs or executives were calling us directly uh, and asking, hey, we would like to learn that from you, what you're trying to relay in the book. Can you come teach us? So we, I designed a curriculum based on training one person at a time, and uh, that's the genesis of it. 
is I had to create a, some kind of back company that would support that. And now there's, you know, two seals and uh, a bunch of other employees that kind of manage the chaos. But it, it happened out of a request from people wanting to take a really deep dive. Well, one of the reasons that we're having you on the show here is because you're a remarkable man already. I mean, you did 23 years and your knowledge on what the topic is for this show, Warrior Mindset, is going to be second to none. First off, what is your definition of a modern day warrior? I wouldn't even coin it modern day. I think war is universal. War is the uh, one individual going against another with the only outcome is one survives. And that's how I coined it up. And I've been in, uh, Stacy relayed this to me. I didn't check it myself, but I've been in 2,700 hours of active firefights where they're trying to kill you and you're trying to kill them. And so it was, I think it was generated solely out of that lifestyle of real wars when the only one guy comes out. And so that's how I define it. I define it that there can only be one survivor. Well, that's a different perspective for our listeners that have never been in war. I mean, that's a totally different way of looking at things from the darkness and the... I don't know if it's dark. I just think, uh, uh, I, I think, you know, if you, if you made me stretch for a modern day warrior, uh, I think that's when we lose track that war is, it's not, it's not really confusing if you understand that. Your whole design in war is to come out and not to do nation building and feel good about it because it doesn't feel good while you're doing it. So it's just it's so many countless hours of, you know, trying to lead and try to make great decisions. Ultimately, the, the greatest form of, you know, are, were you effective in war is did you come out and did you bring everybody else out? And that that is mine. Uh, sadly enough, but that's mine. That is, uh, that's great. Making sure that your guys come home alive. Very hard to do. I mean, the uncertainty of not knowing whether you were going to come home or not, I'm sure had to take a toll on you one point or another. I know that when I go to work and I put my vest on, I load my rifle, I load my gun, and I look into my wife's eyes and I kiss my daughter as I walk out of the house. I mean, that, that takes a strong mindset. So I want to talk a little bit about that specific mindset, the mindset that you developed going through BUDS and the SEALs training that took you to that next level. Yeah, my, my path through BUDS was uh, not a straight line. Uh, maybe my mindset is skewed because of it. Uh, I originally wanted to make it through the first time, but I didn't. Uh, I was in four, five separate hell weeks, and that doesn't, you can't even do that anymore. So my original class, class 195, I uh, got a concussion. And ultimately, I'll, it leads to the mindset conversation. Second class, make it to hell week again, which is week five. And uh, second class, I dislocated my shoulder. And then I got to sit out a class, started uh, the third attempt 
make it to hell week again and got pneumonia and you don't get rid of pneumonia. It was easier recovering from a dislocated shoulder than it was pneumonia. So I had to start again with pneumonia and in the fourth class woke up in the hospital during hell week and I got kicked out of training and, uh, and eventually came back about nine months later, started my fifth class, made it through somewhat unscathed, but I graduated. So the initiation of my mindset, I, I think my, if you want to call it a warrior mindset started there where I had learned one aspect that I think is transferable. You promise to do something, then do it. And that actually can be learned. So in the face of whatever obstacles that are there, a real warrior is going to find a way to accomplish it through any type of adversity possible. And that's how I, and that has transcended everything else that I learned is, Hey, I made a promise to make it through training and I hit every bad obstacle in, in the course of trying to get through. And eventually, as long as you don't give up on yourself, uh, you'll make it through. And very few people have that mindset. They stop too early. They don't keep their agreements. And so what I do in my training now is that's the two pillars of my training. And if you want to call it mindset, I think that's appropriate is first thing that you have to learn to do is to keep your word or honor your word. And the second one is don't give up on yourself and keep pursuing those two, you know, pillars of performance, if you will, until the goal uh, actually gets realized. Very rare in the world that people use that type of interpretation. So you had internal fortitude, that drive, that resiliency that kept you going time and time again through Hell Week. I mean, I could only imagine going once through it, but three, four times, that uh, you gotta have a very, very strong mindset for that. Hey guys, let's break for a quick moment to remind you to join our brotherhood at manofwar.live. If you've decided that living the warrior lifestyle is for you and you wanna start walking the warrior's path, we have something very special for you. We have just rolled out the Warrior Development Initiative. This is a virtual online training program that will give you the step-by-step -step framework to transform you into a modern-day warrior. Now, for a limited time, this program is half off. Take advantage of the special offer at warriorbreed.co, and you can also find the links on the show notes. Now, back to our show. Yeah, I think that's the only thing that I... I only I rely on that now as is the only trainable item that you can relay to somebody else is persistence. You can train people to do that. And I think it, I know it can be learned because in the past four years, that's really the the the, the center point of uh, the training that I do is if you don't have those two items, you honor your word and don't give up. Everything is 10 times harder. If you understand those, things become simple. It's just a time factor. As long as you don't give up, you're going to get there. And we, and that, I, you know, you, you may call it mindset. I, I think it could be called that. But the mindsets can be learned. And that one definitely can be learned. 
Who was your mentor growing up? I had a lot of them. I have so many now that I have to, that my, probably the, 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 the guy who meant the most to me, who actually sat me down and shifted, you know, where I was going to a different place was a guy named Pat Tomlinson. He had been a, excuse me, he was an army officer that prior to doing that in his early life, when he was 17, he had been a precursor to SEALs called uh, Scouts and Raiders. And uh, when he was 17, lied about his age, made it into the program, and he was the first guy to put feet on sand during the Battle of Iwo Jima, about four hours prior to the invasion. He and a bunch of other SEALs, if you will, or UDT, went in there to try to blow up all the obstacles on the beach. And so I grew up knowing this guy, and his stories were so incredible. I'm like, I want some of that. Well above what my stories have been now as as an adult man. But he'd been captured on one of the islands during that Japanese island hopping campaign. And uh, they skinned his feet to prevent him from running away. And he ran anyway. And uh, he later became, after he got out of the Navy, after that, you know, the three years that he was there, he, uh, uh, gosh, he became a All-American running back at Louisiana Tech. And so that guy represented to me somebody that, hey, if he can do that with all those adverse you know, conditions and have a, a great life, and why am I worried about the small, simple things that I thought were difficult? That's, I, I looked at that way, and I knew that guy from the time I was conscious at three years old. And uh, that's, that's eventually why I became a SEAL, was because of him. Very cool, very cool. Now, when you were younger, were you a confident child or a timid child? I'm going to bet on the side of confidence here. <laughs> uh, no, I was a fighter. I got in trouble a lot for fighting, <laughs> Act, actively fighting. And uh, so I, I kind of grew up as uh, an aggressive kid. Uh, I don't think I was ever belligerent to adults. And even my dad says I, I was not that. Uh, but uh, I wouldn't back down. And uh, so that that was, you know, good and bad. The bad was that I was in a lot of fights and the good was that I learned how to fight. And, uh, so that, that aggressive thing was always there really good in football, uh, good in track in high school and ended up going to play football in, in college, probably because I was aggressive. I was never better than anybody. I was always, I always felt like I was worse, so I always had to work my butt off to, to, to get you know a, a higher level of performance out of myself. So tell me, what inspires a Navy SEAL like yourself? What motivates you? What gets you through the day? I mean, I got to think. You know, when I think about this, I'm like, I mean, you've been there, you've done that. So what does it for you? What triggers you? What are the what are the inspirations that you find in your daily life that keeps you chugging away day in and day out? Uh, people. 
Uh, and I, what I mean by that is I now see that, I don't know if it's positive or negative, people operate at about 25% of their potential. And training people to operate at a higher level is, that's what gets me up in the morning. And personally, I, I pursue five, what I call pyramids of performance every day. Uh, and their physical, intellectual, wealth, relationship, and spiritual, and getting up to balance those, to actively every day pursue those, you know, myself kind of, you know, pushing myself, and then doing the same for various clients, that uh, wakes me up. So let's expand on that a little bit. We call these warrior hacks, things that you Mm -hmm. do or daily rituals that you do, that motivates you, that keep you going in the right direction, that builds strength, character, and that in the mm-hmm. end, create your warrior mind, create that warrior lifestyle. I mean, what are these things that you do that motivate mm-hmm. you daily to get you to that next level, to keep you building that warrior spirit? I wish I could call it a hack. A hack would mean that it makes it easier. <laughs> so... uh one of the hardest things to do, but I, I pursue it every day and I eventually train people to do it. And here's the hack. The first one is that you have to have five measurable goals in your life. Uh, one being a physical measurable goal. It has to, has to be measurable in time. Uh, the second one is an intellectual or knowledge acquisition goal. I like, I want to learn you know, Swahili by December. So something that is measured in time. Uh, third one is a, a wealth goal. Where do I want to be financially or how I measure value or wealth measured in time? A relationship, a, a definable, measurable relationship goal. And then spiritual, a spiritual, measurable relationship goal. So those, that's the first hack come to find out people don't have measurable goals. So if you want to hack your performance, have something that's measurable that you're pursuing, at least in one of those five categories, and you'll be a leg up on everybody else. So what what do you think people don't have goals? I mean, I have no idea. I think it's fear, fear, fear and scar tissue. And then this weird world of entitlement that, you know, you think you can get something that you didn't work your butt off to get which is a disease, but wherever the culture is, uh, there's not a big press for, for anybody to have definable things that they're pursuing, except the top, the top people all do. Everybody at the top, like the top 2%, constantly have things that they're pursuing that are difficult. So do you think there are less warriors in our society now than they were, say, 20, 30, 40 years ago? Yes, I think uh, it's declined quite a bit, whether it be a female warrior or a male warrior, where they're actively pushing the limits of what they think are possible. Maybe that is another definition of warrior, but uh, I don't know why it's gone down, but uh, you, you don't see it very often. Maybe because things are too easy, I don't know. But so the other life hack is this, and very, very, very difficult to do. And 
it seems simple. So I'll say it and you're like, I can, I get it, but, uh, not very many people have the capacity to do this. And I, I, I'm probably 70% effective at doing this. So every morning wake up and either I call it spiritual awakening. If you want to call it that either you meditate or pray or turn on your senses for 10, 10 minutes in the morning. The first thing you do, it could be anything, a hundred hour discussion about what that would look like. So for 10 minutes, pursue a spiritual awakening. And then the next thing you do is you connect with somebody profoundly uh, that you're in a profound relationship with. And how you do that is you check in with them on what they're doing that day and you share what you're going to do that day. No drama, you know, no, but a very deep connection with a relationship. The third thing you do, and you take about 30 minutes to do that. The third thing you do is for an hour or 90 minutes, preferably 90, you pursue your, your physical goal. So that would be either be working out or eating well and working out or stretching and working out, but you actively pursue your physical goal. And then for eight hours, you pursue, uh, you know, value or your job. And then when you get home or on the way home, you work out for at least another 45 minutes where you pursue actively your physical goal again. And then you check in with your, your, your deep relationship connections. And then you do another 10 minute meditate, pray, or you know, awaken your senses before you go to bed. Seems simple. If you do that, your life gets accelerated so rapidly, you, you won't even recognize yourself or your accomplishments. There you have it, listeners. I mean, this is, in essence, walking the warrior's path. I mean, these are things that uh, we're listening to now that comes from the uh, mouth of an experienced warrior. I mean... Very simply said, but a lot more difficult to do. Yeah, it's a, it's a no excuse life. Once you once you step onto that path, there's no more excuses. You can't you can't. There's no time for them anymore. All right, so Tom, I want to dig deep here a little bit. All right, tell us about the toughest time in your life, and how did you <laughs> adapt and overcome? Yeah, what day is it? Uh, so uh, the toughest experience that I've ever had. I ended up getting the silver star for, and, uh, I'll try to make it short as I can and still relevant. So we had been in Afghanistan for about three months and we'd been in multiple long firefight engagements. And, uh, we had determined that the Taliban were deep into the mountain, this mountain region north of Kandahar. And nobody could get to them, but everybody knew where they were. And we were watching them on predator feed. We could see what they were doing, where they were training, how many they were. We decided to go after them. On insert of our helos, our helicopters, we started getting rocket fire. And we were about four miles from the main target area. So we fought for what was supposed to be three hours for about six hours just to get to the main target area where we are to do our, our main job. And we hit the main target area right at dawn after already having killed, I think 36 Taliban. 
and uh, hit the main target area, get some resistance there, and do the warrior work where either you die or they die type thing for about another hour. Target, target gets secured, and we realize that we have to push out more into the valley so that we're not tucked up next to this mountain range. And uh, we finally go into a security mode at about 10.30 in the morning where everything is secure. Guys are doing their job. People are resting and eating, and we're getting into a kind of a security routine. And throughout the day, we're getting in some interesting firefights, but we're now in one position, fight, fighting from one position. And it gets pretty clear that we're we're doing okay we're not going to get overwhelmed and we start letting we let our guard down which is one of the first keys to being a warrior is you ain't safe until you're in mama's lap again and uh so we let our guard down like amateurs and a 45 minute firefight ensued that was from my point of view epic and uh about 12 RPGs hit right off the bat. It was about half, about 45 minutes, maybe 50 minutes before dark. And we just get hammered. And I get blown up into the back of this room through a window. I tried to jump through the window and then realize an RPG wanted to assist me into that room. And uh, so I hit the back wall. I'm laying on my back. And I couldn't get my body to respond. And I didn't know if I was hit. I didn't know if I was dead. had no idea. But I was looking at my hand and I couldn't get it to do anything. And I didn't hear ringing in my ears. I remember thinking, gosh, this is interesting. This is what death actually feels like. And then uh, I kept trying to rally and I couldn't move. And I would remembered. And then your life really does flash in front of you. Or it did me. I remembered a lot of things I'd done in my past. I don't know how long I was there, but I was there, you know, a, a bit of time. And my one of my final thoughts that actually rallied me was I was right before Afghanistan. Stacy and I were laying in bed the last night before I was to leave. And it's tense. And she grabbed my face and said, don't fear dying. It makes you weak. Fight your way back to us. And I hear her voice in my head while laying on the ground in Afghanistan, and I sat up. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to die, I want to die fighting. And what shifted there is what I now coin uh, internal dialogue. A dialogue shift happens for people. Most don't recognize it. So mine was just fight. Don't sit here and be miserable. Just fight. So I rallied and I tried to respond. I grabbed my gun, put my body armor on because I didn't have it on and couldn't get out of the room because I was pinned down in this room. Eventually, I found uh, there was a sniper that had me pinned down about 600 yards away. And I found out where he was and I shot him before he shot me. And that was, I thought, significantly hard because I had, once you 
shoot somebody, you have to see if they're down by looking at him again when you know that he can see you and you can see him. And that was a very difficult time, probably the second most difficult time. So the first most difficult time is where the story leads to. So we get, uh, I kind of get rallied and I have to find where the rest of my platoon is. So there's somewhere outside of the room that I'm in. So I go in search mode and rounds are hitting everywhere. I get hit twice in the plate and I got three bullet holes right under my crotch, how they missed. I have no idea. And, uh, I didn't know that until I took my clothes off two days later. And, uh, then I found the guys that were pinned down in another room in the same kind of bearing building setup, and they were locked down too. And what they didn't have is a language shift. And what I mean by that, they kept repeating the F word. Hey, chief, we're effed. I'm like, what do you mean? We can't get out of the room. I'm like, I was just out of the room. But they couldn't rally themselves because they started getting that. I call it the pit of despair where you, you say you're done and then your body tries to prove that you can't do anything. And so all I did was I tasked them to do something. <laughs> so a bunch of two guys were to get all their grenades and throw them over the wall. And the other, another two guys were to get all the 40, 40 millimeter grenade launchers and shoot those grenades over the wall. And then, uh, another, another guy and myself were to shoot all the mortars. And then my heavy machine gunner was to lead us all out of the room and shoot everybody except us. So we did that. And then all of a sudden after that great rally, we don't have any rounds left. We'd shot everything that we had brought and we still hadn't won the fight. And, uh, so a, we decided to have a bomber bomb everything around us. So he drops his bombs everywhere and kind of, we ended up, you know, surviving that and nothing worse than having somebody drop bombs on you. But we weren't willing to die. We weren't willing to be prisoners where we would rather give up our our own goods, so to speak. So that was the hardest thing to ever, that I've ever been asked to do was kind of forfeit, theoretically forfeit life so that I wouldn't be a prisoner. But we all survived and all the enemy got killed from what we had done. And uh, so I don't know if I tell that story very well, but the uh, hardest thing I've ever, ever been asked to do was kind of, I thought I was going to give up my life in that moment. Oh, that's some great information. What a great story. And definitely inspirational, that warrior spirit, that mindset, that will to just continue and, 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 and at times like that, just reflect and go with the flow. It's just uh, at a whole different level. And your body constantly wants to not do that. So that if I could translate anything to your listeners is the body doesn't, I don't think the body itself wants to be great. What goes on inside, whether what I call internal dialogue or what you may call mindset, that's going to be the driving thing of life. If you don't master it rather quickly, the environment will just beat you down. But the dialogue and the mindset can overcome anything. 
So, Tom, how do you dig deep when situa- in situations like that? I mean, specifically that, you know, you have a family, you know, there's other people in this life that count on you, that love you, but you just, you're out there on the battlefield and you just basically say, you know, we're laying it down for a higher cause and uh, I'm here, I'm fighting, I'm not going to give up. I mean, how do you find that? I don't think it starts in that moment. I think it starts before that moment. It starts with relentless practice of your craft and relentless connection with the people that matter to you so that in the moments when it all shit hits the fan, you can draw on the training and the value of the people in your life. Uh, and that takes years of, you know, if you want to be a good shooter, you can't just think about it. You got to shoot constantly. So relentless practice is also a dying thing here in the world. And when you do that, then when you need it, it'll be there. Like you can't be, you know, you can't, I can't now go back into that environment and thrive unless I practice that environment. So, you know, really what that means is whatever skills or business or physical thing that you're doing, if you want to be really good at it, you got to be relentless, like every day getting after it so that when you need it later, it'll be there. But one of the biggest factors is, and I don't know why warriors don't say this. Most older warriors would say this, but you got to have somebody that loves you and you love them. If you're not married, you better love your team. They better love you because that will sustain you. Being good at something, it won't make it through the hard times. You got to have a deep connection with the people around you that will drive it. So you really believe in having a connection between someone that loves you and you love them. Yeah. If you don't, you're stuffed. You just, you can't get it done because the, the, you get overwhelmed, your senses get overwhelmed and the why you do that, you can't overcome the bad why question. Like I, you know, nobody wants to be in Afghanistan fighting there. And while there you're fighting for, I don't remember my country being there. I just remember the guys left or right of me. So you, you, if you want to call that love, that's probably appropriate, a deep affinity for those guys. And the ultimate one is that you want to make it back home. And without that, tough times cannot be endured. I imagine it becomes a brotherhood when you're watching each other's sixes and basically you will lay down your life for one another. It's such a deep, deep connection. It is, and it's hard for uh, it's hard to articulate it in a meaningful way unless you know you've all, the people that are listening have had those deep connection experiences through difficulty. And but there in the moment, the only thing that counts is them, not you. And uh, I've risked my life way too many times for somebody else. Like I wouldn't do, I would not be here if it wasn't for these other guys. Like I'd have, I'd have walked away. But when they're in difficult situations, you you risk yourself constantly to to help them. 
No doubt about it. It's spontaneous. It's within you. It's something that drives you. And at the moment, I mean, you hear about, you know, soldiers lying on grenades to protect their brothers. Yeah. Yeah. A guy named Michael Mansoor, uh, I'd put him through SEAL training when I was an instructor. And over in Ramadi, I think in 2005, uh, his uh, element got under fire and a grenade ends up getting thrown into his space and there were four other guys around him and he just jumped on it. And I don't know if you can train to do that. Something inside has to be there and it has to always be there because you can't process that. You can't go, okay, step one, you just got to do it. And his deep affinity or a connection with his brothers caused that to happen. That is a, a, a level at a, most of us can't, cannot even understand. So with that same level of, of, of mindset, as I call it, I mean, do you believe that action, it's so important to getting and attaining, you know, th that optimal performance in life? I mean, it seems that everything you talk about, which is I'm 100% in agreement, is action. You just can't talk about things you have to do it yeah that, that's a huge that's a that's a novel so uh the disparity between success and failure or the difference between success and failure is action that's it you can pin it down there the people who took action win the people who fail stopped that's it. That can be in, that can be in business. That can be the thing that caused your divorce. You just stop acting. You stopped overcoming all the problems. And then, you know, I just use that as a representation, but you, you stopped engaging and that causes things to unravel. As long as you can engage, it won't unravel. Awesome. It's, you, it's when we quit on ourselves or quit on something that, that then loss or failure happens. Wow, this is, uh, this is great. We've learned so much from this conversation and such a, uh, a deep insight into what it is uh, that a warrior goes through and, and how they, you know, you push yourself through that. What, at this point, what have been your biggest successes in your life and, you know, it could be in the battlefield or in business. I think I have, uh, I, I hate to say it, but I have five. So my big success uh, in my physical life uh, was constantly is uh, a, a high accomplishment. And my first high accomplishment was making it into the SEAL program. And my current one is I... Uh, run ultra marathons. So it's very difficult. That's a very difficult thing to do on the, on even when you're young. And so physically it's taking things that are very difficult to do and then doing them until they get accomplished. Intellectually was writing the book cause I'd failed out of college in English and the practice of writing was totally foreign to me. And so I had to overcome all that BS, mental BS to sit down and write. And wealth, 
I guess my biggest accomplishment there has been the accomplishment of the clients that I've worked with and uh, seeing them attain high levels of performance for me is how, where I gain a lot of value and relationship. There's about a million, but, uh, seeing, you know, getting married to a wonderful woman, I think is the, the highest accomplishment that you could have in a, in a relationship conversation. And then seeing my daughter who is now a freshman at West Point be successful there is super. And my middle boy is a really awesome football player. And my youngest son who's 10 is, a you know, I can't say enough about him, but he's not hitting the accomplishments, but he can pick up a Ruby's cube having never worked with it. And half an hour, half an hour later, he can clean them all up. I'm like, how did you do that? But, uh, but I, I measure relationship off other people's accomplishments. And, uh, so that, and then so spiritual is, uh, finding value in things that aren't necessarily intertwined, but intertwining them in such a way that you can, you can have an epiphany and see a result. And what I mean by that is I met a person on an airplane and nine months later, having trained them, they pulled their whole family, their scattered family after four divorces. He'd had a scattered family, pulled them all back in. Uh, bought four more businesses, no, I, lost, that's, that's awesome. I think, 42 pounds, and uh, ha- now has a great life. So I call that a, what my spiritual accomplishment has been is in the life of somebody else. So those have, those have been mine. Uh, they're kind of vague, but that's how I look at it. Good stuff, good stuff that we can apply and implement into our lives. Absolutely. How can people reach you, Tom? Uh, we have a website at tomshea.com, T-H-O-M-S-H-E-A.com. And on the website, we do a myriad of things. And one of the great things now is the 13 unbreakable lessons that we have a whole staff tracking and, and putting people through this training. But yeah, we're all, we're all over the, we're all over Facebook. And, and also we have a podcast called uh, Unbreakable or the unbreakable podcasts. And we also like you interview people who have phenomenal stories to tell. And, uh, your book unbreakable, where is, uh, where can people go grab that? Yeah. So unbreakable and Navy seals way of life. It's on Amazon and in bookstores. And, uh, uh, it's a, it's not a gentle read. It's very raw and, uh, has some cuss words in it and it has a lot of, a lot of killing. So, I hear I hear it's a good read. <laughs> it is a uh, great book yeah. to read. Um, definitely not for the faint of heart. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, one last thing before you go. What advice would you give to our listeners that want to learn to live a warrior life? Pick something that's bigger than yourself and commit to doing it and see it through. That's yep. it. Very simple. That's simple. Yep. Tom. Thank you for being with us, my friend and my brother. And certainly we'd love to have you back soon on this podcast. Stay safe out there. Thank you all for, thank you for your time. Gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. 
If you like this show, please give us a review on iTunes and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. I urge you to visit manofwar.live and join our brotherhood of warrior-minded men that is growing stronger and stronger every single day. Last but not least, if this show inspired you and you're ready to take action to start living the warrior lifestyle, visit us at warriorbreed.co and become a member of the Warrior Development Initiative, which is a complete online training program that will give you all the tools and framework to become a modern day warrior. Until next time, your journey may be challenging and full of dangers, but never retreat. Your next battle may be your greatest.